0: Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game
1: to the next level,
0: where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida.
1: All right, bang, bang, everyone, and welcome back to the show, the Goalie Hacks podcast. Here with your host, Mike Santaguida, joining you all again, and what an amazing episode we have lined up this week. So we won't really waste any time getting into the details. But this week on, uh, we have the 2021 NCAA D1's Mike Richter Award winner. And that gentleman is Jack LaFontaine. And Jack is just such an awesome dude. Uh, amazing goalie uh, who's just a real open book, you know, when it comes to talking about the game and his thoughts and his processes, um, as well as the journey he's had up to this point in his career. And, and we dive into, you know, all the adversities he's had to face on the journey of becoming number one in college hockey. And Jack shares all of his hacks uh, that he uses to help him find consistency, increase his performance, and ultimately find success at the next level. And Jack is a a super salt-of-the-earth guy, like I said. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, chatting with him and and how candid he was about his answers, which is uh, I know what the audience loves to hear. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's conversation. I know you guys are going to love the chat Jack and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. And I'm super excited to be joined today by another active college goaltender recently named the top goaltender in Division One college hockey winning the Mike Richter Award. And that goaltender is Jack LaFontaine. And after growing up and playing minor hockey in the greater Toronto area in Ontario, he went on to make his junior debut in the OJHL as a 16 year old in 2014 putting up some amazing numbers as a rookie. And after transitioning to the NAHL for a season, he then moved on to play as a true freshman at the University of Michigan for two years before deciding to return to the BCHL for a season with uh, Canada's top junior team, uh, the Penticton V's, winning the top goaltender award in his final season, and junior in the BCHL. And after his year with the V's, he moved on to play with the University of Minnesota the last two seasons as the starter, also being named as an assistant captain of the squad this year, as well as winning a number of personal accolades and championships, including being named the Mike Richter Award winner and winning the Big Ten Championship, having a huge breakout season this year. And he couldn't be happier to welcome him to the show today to chat some goalie development. Jack, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Mike, that was probably the best intro uh, (laughs) I've ever gotten in my entire life. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. I had to redo it a couple times, so you got to hear it a few times. But uh great to have you on the show. Was was super excited, you know, you'd be you'd be willing to come on. And I I actually didn't realize that you're from Mississauga, which is my hometown as well. I'm here right now. A funny small world, eh?
0: Yeah, well, I mean it's as much as we can do. You can just hop on a podcast in the middle of quarantine, <laughs> but um <laughs> things are slowly opening back up here, I guess. Yeah. I think, uh this Friday restaurants are finally opening up, but um it's a little bit different from the states that's for sure
1: oh i mean they're it's like it's like it never even happened there
0: oh no like uh you know (laughs) at school like if you're vaccinated you're pretty much you have the green light to never be able to wear a mask again so um yeah i guess that's the next thing to do when i get back down to minnesota is uh get that vaccine and hopefully uh the worst is behind us
1: yeah well i i uh uh, hopefully, I mean, and what an amazing year for you, though! And what a feeling it, it must be right now to to have a championship, and uh, you know the, the Mike Richter Award, and, and so many other personal accolades under your belt this year. But you know, pumped to jo- to dive into your journey. But you know, we kind of detailed COVID, uh, but maybe you can just first off just detail some of the emotions you're feeling right now, and you know, let everyone know. You know, when you started the year, was that the goal in mind to to win the league championship and and win the Mike Richter Award this season? Right, that's awards are always
0: great, but at the end of the day, we, we want to win as, you know, goalies, as athletes, it's the number one priority. Right. So, um, to be quite honest with you, the, the Richter award was, I think, uh, short lived with, uh, with what happened at the NCAA tournament. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's just kind of how I'm geared. I'm, I'm a pretty competitive person, very intense. And, uh, it bugged me a while actually. So, um, you know, my, my coach is funny. He's the same way. And, uh, you know, he calls. You know, these awards like picture-taking ceremonies. You take your picture, you get your award, and then it's on to the next one. And right, I re- I really like that ideology. You know, it's just you know, you got you got uh recognized, but now you you want more. You got to improve on it more. And
1: uh, yeah, it's it's sort of the the next level mentality. You're just like next, 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 next. Right.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's addicting to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it is. It's, yeah, it's, I agree. It's you know once you get like a little piece of that then you want uh, another piece of something else and um you know it's not like you're battling against anyone except yourself really and yeah. I think that's that's why uh, I think goalies are so unique is because you know we don't really touch anyone during a game uh you know you feel like you're battling with your. Uh, the other team's goalie down the ice but at the end of the day it's just uh you and the puck right so it's a right. uh, contrast of dynamics
1: yeah yeah i know that's a great way to articulate it. And, and like you say you kind of touched on you know covid and everybody's gone through some challenges but maybe you can just detail some of the major challenges you know you, you and your team had to overcome due to covid this year and uh, how you guys were able to overcome them uh,
0: you know what i think we got spoiled when i hear about other stories um <laughs> I, I like I I was I heard some other stories about other sports teams. I mean, you know, schools having to cut programs and stuff. So yeah, wow. I mean, it, it it was pretty rough for everyone. And, and you know, when I look at the year, um, you know, the worst we had to do was just get tested every day. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a, a COVID outbreak in the summer. So mm-hmm. when the season hit in uh, November, um, everyone had kind of already gone through the virus and um you know we were in our 90 days of immunity but i think on top of that we were pretty smart with just you know social distancing right you know it it was just a long wait and once the season finally hit um we weren't interested in anything except playing so you know it was just so awesome to be able to get back on the ice
1: yeah yeah well like i said uh amazing man and and uh you know, we're going to dive into all the details uh, uh, in this conversation about your your magical year, and unfortunately, it didn't end the way you wanted the tournament. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously tough to go all the way and win it all, and you are always sour when it doesn't happen. But I think you have a lot to be proud of, right? And you are hungry for that next goal. But maybe you can just start off, you know, by briefly sharing a bit of your story and your background and how we got to where we are today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I started off, I guess you could say, pretty late playing uh, hockey in general. I started, you know skating as a six to seven year old. And it wasn't until I was about eight years old where I transitioned uh, to playing goalie. Uh, I was never a forward or defenseman. I was always a goalie. Um, Something about the position just, uh, I really liked, I mean, the fact that goalies are on the ice for the full 60 minutes, uh, that definitely had something to do with it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's something about that, uh, you know, being alone in the net, being uh, the person under the microscope the whole time it just really uh it was an attractive position to me and uh, I was very fortunate growing up I mean my my dad was my first goalie coach and um you know the first thing uh he instilled was in me was hard work um I've taken that throughout my entire uh career so far and uh I mean it, it just every year it was you know raising the bar raising the bar and uh never being satisfied and that's definitely something that you know, I've adopted, uh, as a young adult now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned, you know, you grew up playing in the, in the greater Toronto area in the, the GTHL, which I'm very familiar with, but, uh, fast forward a little bit past your, your kind of minor hockey career and looking back to when, you know, you first started playing junior in the OJHL as a 16 year old, you know, putting up, uh, exceptional numbers and games played as a rookie, but what exactly was the hardest part about transitioning to junior hockey at such a young age and where'd you struggle the most initially?
0: Yeah. There's a problem with, uh, the junior hockey in Canada is that uh, each junior team has two, they call them underage cards. So, I mean, you, you obviously know, um, yeah. like you have maybe two, you
1: could detail to everybody.
0: Yeah. But there's two 16 year old cards and, you know, to give a 16 year old card uh, to a goalie is a, a massive risk. Uh, at, and at the time I was playing, it was more uh, of an old, old man league. Right. Um, you know, I was a 16 year old and I don't think we even used our other 16 year old card. Um, oh. and my partner was 20, like it was all made up of, uh, 94s and 95s on the team. Uh, right. And the biggest transition I would say is just kind of, uh, you know, it was my first taste of junior hockey and I didn't really know what to expect, um, you know, with uh, the whole culture itself. And it was a little bit of a culture shock for me, but right um, to this day, like the people on that team were so nice to me. Um, like I still keep in contact with all of them. My goalie partner, Mark Williams, I will never forget. He was the nicest human being ever. Uh, oh. and you know, he ran into some injury troubles and, uh, kind of paved the way for me to kind of get some games in. Um, yeah. and it was just kind of luck of the draw, but um, again, it was just kind of getting my feet wet in the whole junior circuit and understanding, you know, what real hockey's like.
1: Yeah. What was the thing that maybe surprised you the most, uh, like in terms of the culture and everything? Probably the intensity
0: and the cutthroat, the cutthroat culture of it all. You know, I, I like I've never been in a, this is my first time. Remember where trades were a thing. Um, right,
1: right. You're talking you know, about all I, the transactions that go on in junior.
0: Absolutely. And that was kind of a shock to me. You know, I walk in one Monday and three guys are gone and we have a new person in the dressing room and it was just kind of a snap of the finger. You know, mm-hmm. like you have your name, your name tag on the wall with sticky tack and it's just so easy to rip that name tag off and being sent right. to somewhere else. So, um, you know, you can't take anything for granted. And, you know, one mistake could end up being uh, your ticket on the way out. So for me, it was You know, I I didn't play with fear, but that was definitely in the back of my mind and definitely what motivated me to work hard every day in practice.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when you're young, you always everybody has those thoughts of doubt and you have to kind of prove to yourself and build confidence and overcome challenges and, you know, show yourself that you're capable of growing to become somebody who can lead at that level, not necessarily just be there. Right. Um, But for kids, I guess, looking to make a, a smooth transition to junior hockey, you know, you made it very early. Um, but what do you think is the most important skill they can start developing today and make sure they're ready for the challenges when they get there?
0: So many, I mean, the speed of the game, uh, any jump you make. So for me, it was my skating immediately. Um, mm. I felt a little bit behind the play and, you know, throughout the summer and throughout that first half of the year, it was my skating that I really had to improve on, um, and make sure that, you know, I was able to play at that speed. Um, and I think skating is one of those attributes that you're never going to look in the mirror and you're never going to be happy with, like to, right. this day, to this very day, like I'm on the ice tomorrow. What am I going to be working on? All skating. Like I'm going to power skate for 30 minutes tomorrow,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, because each level, the, the speed's getting faster. Players are getting smarter and the decision making gets faster. And, you know, that means that you got to be a faster skater, a more efficient skater. Um, and for me, that's just one attribute that I think is so important for any goalie for any, for any age.
1: Yeah. And I like how you kind of said that, you know, you're, you're, you're almost never really done developing that. You're never really happy with that. So, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that might think, Hey, uh, you know, I, I think my skating's great, or I think my skating's awesome. And they're still at the minor hockey level. So what's some advice you have to them in terms of like a mindset and, in, and, in in, in in approaching uh, skill development, you know, it truly never really ends. So what's some advice you have to them for kids who think that maybe their skating is exceptional with where they're at?
0: Well, I mean, the the skill development part of goaltending isn't the flashiest part, right? It's more so the boring part. It's very, um, mundane and you almost have to trick yourself into believing that it's fun. Like you, you gotta feel like every, like it it sounds like fake it till you make it. It sounds, it sounds really cheesy, really cliche, but you know, if you can, if you can feel yourself getting better through every rep and, you know, build that muscle memory with your repetitions. And I think uh, the sky's the limit for any goalie. And, um, you know, obviously there's some days you're going to crawl out of bed and you're like, I don't want to power skate for 30 minutes, but it's just so important. It's So mm, important, and non-negotiable, right? Non-negotiable. Absolutely. And, you know, like there's, I, I'm obsessed with watching like certain goalies in the NHL, like, with doing certain movements, like even in practice, like I'd rather watch a goalie practice and sometimes play a game just because right. he's always like, I just get to watch their footwork and I, I start to really appreciate what they bring to the table.
1: Who, who are, who are a couple guys that you, you like to watch?
0: You know, and this year it was Bobrovsky for me. I know he yeah. didn't have a great year, but his footwork is just incredible. Um, you know, I think he's so powerful on his edges and he's a guy i really like to watch. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, how can you not uh, include Carey Price? I mean, that guy, sure. uh, he's a freak. But, I mean, again, his footwork is it, – its I think it's God-given, to be quite honest with you. But I, I don't think that means that anyone can work towards that.
1: <laughs> he's just smooth, eh? Everything he does is very smooth, right? Absolutely,
0: yeah. But, I mean – if you had him on the podcast, I'm sure he'd tell you a similar thing. Like
1: <laughs> you, know, you, you have to work for it. Absolutely, man. You over prepare, I guess, is a better way to to word it, right? Absolutely. Uh yeah. I mean, you know, and when, when it comes to skating, it's funny you mentioned the skating when I was younger, my we would go to, you know, you're familiar. The, we had the power aid Center. I think it's called something else now. Yeah, like uh, in Brampton. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm Brampton, and I would go, and they would do these power skating sessions for, like, two hours. It'd be, like, 100 skaters, all kids, and there'd be two goalies, like, and, and I was one of them. So I'd go out, and I'd skate for an hour, power skate with them, and then I would get a net for an hour and take shots for an hour. and I, And I kind of look back at some of those, you know, moments of, uh you know when maybe i was like oh why are we doing this why are we doing this and then you know when i finally kind of got my taste of the next level i was like wow this skating like really matters you know what i mean if you can't keep up if it's what puts you in position it's what helps you get ahead of the play and if you're not ahead you're not in position you're not stopping pucks right
0: 100 percent. it's huge yeah
1: so um you know after another season playing in the nhl you go on to play at the university of michigan for two seasons in, in division one college hockey but maybe you can just detail to us where you struggled the most initially when you got to, to uh, division one
0: I. I, again it was the speed of the game um in hindsight i was i was way too young way too young to be playing at college uh, at the college level yeah um you know i battled my first year i i did uh For the team we had, I I did uh, decently well, and we had a coaching change my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, uh, I finally was starting to run away with the job, actually, in the beginning of the season. Um, And it wasn't actually anything but uh, between my ears, which kind of held me back. It was the mental and emotional maturity for me, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, handling pressure, uh, dealing with uh, playing two games in a weekend, Um, and just find consistency both physically and mentally Um, you know I think if I were a little bit older and I were put back in that situation I don't think there would be any any issue at all but it's funny because I I had the privilege that year to watch my partner Hayden Levine who would have been 22 his sophomore year and my sophomore year we came in together at the same time
1: yeah and
0: uh, when I started to falter a bit Hayden came in and he did I mean, he did amazing. He he took us to the Frozen Four, and you know, obviously, it was it was bittersweet because I obviously wanted to be the guy that was you know for in sure. the net. But um, Hayden was such a good learning point for me because he was a guy that was very mature. He was a guy that was very um, technical, a guy that knew what he wanted to do, and he was almost to the point where he's very stubborn. Yeah. But um he had this fire in him and i ne- like he was so competitive even in practice. And there's just so many little things I picked up along the way from him uh in those two years that really paved the way for me to kind of like adopt what I wanted to be like when I was right. ready to get back into college. And right. um, you know, he had a killer season that year. Um I don't I think he was a big ten goalie of the year finalist and i mean without him we would have been nowhere close to the ncaa tournament and uh you know we're still friends to this day and he's he's still kicking it in the east coast league but he's uh he's an awesome dude
1: yeah i know hayden well actually we uh i used to i used to train him when he was young and it's funny uh seeing everybody grow up now actually we played at vermont and us in michigan we played against each other in college so he's a great guy shout out to hayden uh you know world-class guy salt of the earth man but uh i guess for you you know personally if you could go back and tell yourself like one thing before going to division one uh what would that be uh before going to division one uh
0: patience like i was so caught up in the the glamour of you know college hockey and
1: right uh, getting the jacket sort of thing
0: yeah get, yeah getting the jacket and then it's also like a uh it's like a status symbol being a true freshman, you know, right. like at the time I was, I was extremely, like I had other offers, but it would be, you know, play two years, play one year of right. junior hockey after high school. But I was watching guys like Jake Ottinger, Joe Wool, like those guys were mm-hmm. like the the competition at the time and they were going to be true freshmen. Uh, Thatcher Demko. He was a true freshman. Like all these studs yeah. were true I freshmen. All of them and uh i was so stubborn like i was like oh well i want to be that good like i'm gonna go in as a true freshman and uh you know no two goalies are alike no two paths are the same and right you know obviously you're looking at a guy like jake ottinger's who you know <laughs> kind of stole the show this year for dallas but for sure um you know i'm not jake ottinger and jake ottinger isn't jack lafontaine right you know? so um, for me, I wish I could have gone back at the time, to- uh, back at the time and just told myself to be patient, you know, your opportunity will come, but you gotta be in a situation where, you know, the stars kind of align. and I kind of forced it if anything. And, uh, you know, do I regret it? Absolutely not. Um, I met sure. Phenomenal- I'm sure I met you a- learned a lot. Oh, I learned so much. I grew so much, met some phenomenal people. And, uh, I met my mentor, Steve Shields there, who is, uh, uh, massive, and he was vital to my goalie development during those two years.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know, I there's it's kind of a big conversation, right? Because I think a lot of younger guys, um, you know, they're like, oh, I want to be a true freshman. Everybody wants to go. I mean, I mean, to be honest, like you know, uh, when I was in the BCHL at you know nineteen twenty, you know, uh, I, I when I finally got to college hockey the following year. my first game it hit me I'm like whoa like now I know why like nobody wanted me when I was like 17 18 years old coming in as a true freshman because you're playing against full-grown men 23 24 year old men it's tough to come in and compete as an 18 year old right absolutely
0: I mean it's a again like like the whole thing with the junior hockey right like when you move up it's uh it's another speed you got to adapt to and you know again like uh you know I thought junior hockey was a little cutthroat and uh you know, I get to college and, you know, they don't care. They they want, they want results. So
1: yeah, you know, for, for me, sure. that
0: again, it was again, adapting to the culture. It was adapting to the speed. It was understanding um, the, all the differences that come with being a college goalie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, in, in 2019, you elected to go back to juniors, right. But you, you signed with uh incredible team. One of the best teams in Canada, you put up amazing numbers in your name to the goaltender of the year in the BCHL. Um, But what do you think contributed so much to your personal success that season? What changed?
0: Um, Steve Shields at Michigan. Um, You know, when I didn't play that second year, I think it was uh, right after Christmas. I didn't play for the rest of the second half of the season. And, uh, you know, Shieldsy like all those skates, like, you know, the before the game skates, and then we go for morning skates, and then we'd stay on later after practice. Because I had to, because I wasn't, I was the backup goalie. So I'd have to take like slap shots and all that right. stuff.
1: One tease. Um,
0: yeah. One tease, rebound, three puck, you name <laughs> it. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I loved, I loved it, honestly. Like I. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, I Competing, it right. It's fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, um, you know, it kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of like hone in on my craft, like um, being able to work with Shields-y, Um, you know, it, it was kind of like the framework um, for what was to come in Penticton. Um, you know, like how I describe it is I, I felt like a uh I felt like a car that just got souped up with new parts. I just needed uh, you know, a racetrack to try it out. And, you know, Michigan wasn't gonna be the place where I was uh given the opportunity to play. So uh Penticton was kind of an avenue that not only allowed me to play, but kind of take a step back, get some junior games and you know, prove to myself that, you know, I, I belong at the college level
1: yeah find that game flow again
0: right absolutely it's so it's it was so funny like I hadn't played in a year a year and as soon as I got in my first game it was it was strange like it was
1: right you feel like a deer in the headlights a bit like you haven't been there right
0: yeah it it felt foreign to me almost and uh you know again it was it was nice to get on the ice but it it was kind of you know it was it it was bittersweet because you know that's that's why everyone wants to be a goalie. They don't want to be on the bench. They want to play, but sometimes it's not the reality of the position.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you you know, you mentioned Steve Shields a a, a little bit. What's maybe the, one of the most important things that he shared with you uh, that, that helped you find success?
0: Oh Gosh, do you have an hour? I could do a whole podcast.
1: Maybe we'll get him on too. And, 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 you know, but uh, you know, what do you think's one of the more, um, integral things that helped you find success that he taught you?
0: Well, let me just say first and foremost, this guy's like a mad scientist when it comes to <laughs> goaltending. So when he played in the NHL, his goalie coach was Mitch Korn, obviously. Oh, he, nice. Yeah, so one of the greatest goalie coaches ever, uh, who had Holtby and Dominic Hasick, of course. Right. Um, you know, Shieldsy was all about um, just like he he loved to learn. Like he, like he was never – stubborn he said this is how you have to do it he was always on instagram like looking up all this new stuff always on goal magazine like he yeah. loved to learn and then he'd bring it he'd bring it to hayden and i and it'd be tough for hayden because he was playing right so you can't really mess around with this technique like hayden's getting right. all these results so i was kind of like uh i was kind of like the test rat so we'd we'd go through all these things together uh, whether it was footwork, whether it was puck tracking, whether it was like RVH integration, um, we we went through it all. And it, in doing so, I think I kind of adopted like what works for me, what doesn't work for me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, you know, honing in on my style. Um, and again, the funniest thing is the biggest thing we worked on was footwork and skating. Um mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of morning skates where he'd bring out that medicine ball and it'd be me and player gloves and goalie equipment, and I'd be holding that medicine ball and they suck. They're, they're long, you know, little bag skates, but yeah. I mean, again, like that's, that was the biggest thing for me. And f- like looking back on it now, like my footwork and my skating are what gives me a lot of confidence, um, as a goalie. So, um, I mean, he's definitely someone I would reach out to if you ever need another podcast uh guest because he is so insightful. Yeah. And he's kind of a guy that's seen it all, been through it all, and just loves the position.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I will definitely uh follow up with him. But I, I like how you kinda alluded to, you know, we, we tried all these new things and it really helped you find your identity, essentially, right? A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I when I when I was growing up too and and, and you know, um you know, a lot of the elite goalies, like we're, they're constantly trying things. They're constantly innovating and inventing new ways. Like, you know, the RVH is, I don't know, what is it? Like 15 years old now or something.
0: You know what yeah. I mean? But you, what
1: remember, if- you were around when the uh, VH was a thing. Like no one. Was <laughs> oh my God. It was a pain, buddy. The VH, I never liked it. And like it, w- when you're younger, it's tough. Right. Cause you're like you're wearing all this, bul- i I mean, I'm short as hell too. So I'm wearing yeah, yeah. all this bulky gear. I'm trying to go into this VH on the post. I'm falling over. You know what I mean? But I mean, eventually you get a little older, you get a little more strength, you figure it out. But, um, you know, it's, you know, there was a time when the v- the RVH was brand new and then we would do the Rask and everybody would do like the boot inside the post. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I saw some kid in the WHL and he was doing like that sweet spot in the post. And he was doing this in like he was doing this in like 2009, 10, you know what I mean? Like 12 years ago. And I was like, man, that looks that looks really like efficient. And I wasn't good at it at first, but I kind of tried it out and eventually became a part of my identity that that really helped me stop a lot more pucks. So the point I'm saying is, you know, you got to always sort of be inventing little things here that that give you an edge, really. Right. You're seeing in the NHL now, the RVH doesn't isn't really work as well as it used to. Right. Because the the players are solving us. So what do we do? Well, we got to you know it's it's a constant game of cat and mouse between us and the shooters right they adapt to our style and then we have to figure out something new that throws them off and then they adapt and it's 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 it never ends right but my point is is that in terms of uh finding your identity you're never really going to know what works well for you unless you try new things and i think you got to be careful with the shiny object syndrome which is like trying every single new thing um you know, but there's, there's a part of being adaptive and, and growing with the game because the the game of hockey and the positioning of goaltending, even every year it has a different face, you know, every five, 10 years has a completely different face to it. Right. So, I mean, I don't know what you think about that. Well, I, I a hundred
0: percent agree. And I just think shooters are getting smarter, they're getting faster, they're getting stronger. And I think the game itself is always evolving, um, you know, and as it evolves, are you going to stay stagnant and not change? Or are you going to change with the waves, right? Yeah. Like when you look at guys that played for a long time and I'm talking like back in the 2000s, like mm. when you think of like hassock when we think of Nabokov, Broder, um, Lu- Luongo, I think is the best person for this because Luongo, right. if I'm not mistaken, played through the late 90s all the way up to three years ago or four years yeah. ago. So how does a guy like that, you know, stay in the league. Well, he evolves. And how does he mm-hmm. evolve? Because he always wants to learn. So mm-hmm. I, I think the point behind like, you know, the evolution is just always be willing to, you know, listen to someone else's opinion and be always open and receptive. I think open-mindedness is so huge for goalies because, you know, while it is, you know, you can be a little bit stubborn on what you want to do, but I think to learn is what goaltending is all about because you never stop learning.
1: Yeah, it's in my opinion, being being objective and goaltending, being open minded is is an advantage. You know what I mean? When everybody's busy talking something down that's new, you're out there trying to perfect it even more and a little bit more than the way it's kind of invented right now. And eventually it becomes more efficient. And eventually, you know, I like I, there were so many things like when I was young that people told me, oh, don't do this. And, you know, me and my dad would talk about it, go out there. And I'm like, well, I'm stopping more pucks doing this. So why wouldn't I do this? And then that, you, you like see that
0: the, you, how are you going to tell someone they don't like a flavor of ice cream without them even trying it? Right. Like,
1: <laughs> exactly. It's a good analogy. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, back in so, you know, 2019, you go back to Division One attending the University of Minnesota, which is one of the top programs in college hockey. But um, what was sort of your your mindset the second time around? Like, what did you change or make adjustments to, to help prepare you to be successful in your next college stint? I, I was just ready
0: to take the next step and um you know a lot from what hayden did i i adopted like just kind of going in there being confident uh yeah. now now saying that i still you know there were some growing pains um again there were a lot of issues with not only like my technique but i also felt a little bit obsolete um as far as between the ears like uh, my mentality i don't think was quite where it needed to be right um You know, and whether that was because we were on a weaker team or uh, whether I felt like I didn't belong. But, you know, it took me up until Christmas that year to really settle in and then finally uh, run away with the starting job and start producing like I I felt I could.
1: Yeah. And I guess for kids looking to make a smooth transition to college hockey, like what's a skill you think they should be working on today that uh, you think is transferable that, that will prepare them for the challenges when they get there?
0: Well, I, to be quite honest with you, I don't think the transition is ever smooth. And I, I think that's right. a blessing in disguise a little bit because you don't want to go your whole college career without facing a little bit of adversity, right? So, right. Um, you know, I go back and forth on this, like what's one skill, um, you know, you need, but I, I think it's, I think it's so much of it is between the ears in college, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be thick skinned. Um, you just have to be so consistent with your work ethic every day. And, uh, you know, for me, it was finding out what made me comfortable and what made me uh, play well for those weekends. So uh, I'm a guy that likes to put like a little bit more work in to feel good about my game. So I think if there's like one skill I would suggest, it's uh, for a goalie to really identify like what makes you feel good? How do you get to that area and that emotion of feeling good? And once you have that feeling, I think you latch onto it and you trust your work and then you go from there.
1: Yeah. You're referring to sort of like routines, right?
0: Absolutely. Routine is huge. And you know, if, if you don't already have one in junior hockey, I suggest that you, you know, kind of build your own. I mean, there's plenty, there's so many resources online, right. Where you can build a routine, but again, it's different for anyone and I'm not gonna, you know, go into the details about mine, but Every goalie has uh, a few movements, a few drills that really gears them up for practice and/or game.
1: Yeah, well, well, we'll dive into it actually in a little bit because uh, we we like to hear a little bit of the routines, but we'll wrap up kind of this section first. But I mean, obviously, huge year. You know, fast forward into this year after playing over fifty-five games with the with Minnesota now in your two years, um, and yourself and the team just had an enormous breakout year, winning you know, the Big Ten League Championship, but uh, winning just a, a ridiculous amount of personal accolades as well, including uh, the Big Ten Goaltender of the Year being named an All-American, Holby Baker finalist uh, being named to the Big Ten All-Tournament team, uh, the Big Ten Tournament MVP, and uh, the Big Ten First All-Star team, All-USCHL all, all USCHL Tournament team, as well as the Mike Richter award. And, and obviously just you know, incredible, incredible year, man, of, of personal accolades and stuff like that. And I know you alluded earlier in the conversation that, you know, you're more geared toward the, the team goals. But obviously, uh, you know, you got to be proud of, of sort of what you did. And, and you know, the resilience um, that you've, you've shown throughout your career is, is incredibly impressive. But I guess looking back at it all, like what do you think contributed so much to your personal success this season compared to previous years? Well I think
0: all those years I think all those years combined kind of laid the the framework for this year um you know on top of that, I always had like a self belief in myself that um you know those those were not only attainable but like I felt like you know they were mine to lose it sounds you know it sounds a little bit overconfident, but that was kind of my attitude going into the year that yeah you know i I knew I was gonna have a good year i just I just wanted to win you know I always mm-hmm. knew I was a good goalie but now I wanted to like show it. And, you know, people, you know, want to show it through safe percentage, shutouts, cool, whatever. I, I want to show it, you know, on the scoreboard after every game. And, um, you know, I, I feel like when you're extremely competitive and intense, it's infectious. And I think that's, uh, why we did so well this year is we were so, we were so damn competitive every single year and, mm-hmm. you know, we just hated to lose. And, um, you know, we would look on our schedule and we just go like, I don't I don't think we have any reason to lose any game this month. Like, that's just right. how our team identity was. And, yeah, um, you know, if if you're winning games, the accolades are going to come. But I think this year, the mm-hmm. coolest thing for us was winning that Big Ten championship and putting Minnesota back on the map where it deserves.
1: Yeah, man. Well, you know, you, you have the Big Ten and you have the, the Mike Richter Award as well. And, and you are the 2021 winner, man. Uh, there's only one. And uh, honestly, like I said, given your story, i couldn't be happier to, to see you succeed, man. But maybe you can just share with everyone, you know. Um, obviously, we can feel that competitiveness in your voice and, and in your demeanor. But maybe just share with everybody like what it takes on a, a daily, weekly and a monthly basis to even be considered you know, for a like that, the consistency and, and, you know, maybe just share some important advice as to how younger goalies at home can, can start preparing to be ready to overcome those challenges when they get to college as well.
0: Well, I mean, I, again, I, I was very spoiled with uh, good goalie coaches and uh, I have Carl Popper at Michigan. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty, you know, I, I guess like, I, like I said, I get spoiled. So Carl is a gr- guy that's, um, you know, he's very detail oriented and he's someone that, you know, I had all this raw ability, this raw, uh, raw athleticism. And we kind of honed in on how to make it efficient and fine tune it into my game. And, um, as far as the work ethic and the work output that you need to have, I mean, um, you know, that as much as it is a sport, it's, you know, it goes beyond that. It's not even a job to me as much as it is like an obsession and, um, mm. There's nothing I love more than, you know, getting up before practice at the crack of dawn and going on the ice and just working on a new skill. And, um, you know, that's what gives me confidence. And that's what I love to do. I just love working on my game. I love the feeling of knowing that I check something off my box. And uh, whether I'm going to be focusing on puck playing, whether I'm going to be focusing on my edge work, whether I'm going to be focusing on puck tracking, um, there's just something so addicting and obsessive about Uh, getting better at something today for me and I think that's why you know as a goalie I just love the position is um, you kind of hold all your cards right like yeah um, you know it's a little bit different for a forward you got two other guys on your line same with a D you got another partner like with a goalie you hold all your cards you hold your destiny and Mm. um, you know every game I play I think it's a reflection of the work ethic I put in so you know um, you know there are games this year where you know I didn't have the outcome I wanted and you know, when I reflect on the series of practices I had, I go, well, yeah, that's what you get, right? Right. Um. So, you know, I, I can sit here as a, you know, Richter Award finalist and, you know, tell you, yeah, I was great all year, but there were plenty of times this year where, you know, I had to hold myself accountable for the work I was doing and I needed to fine tune it to make sure I was playing at the caliber I wanted to play at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously uh, we're going to dive into your championship as well, but maybe, maybe you just take us through some of the biggest adversity you faced throughout this season and how exactly you're able to overcome it and go on to do great things in the postseason.
0: I mean, this year was definitely taking on the full load of being a college uh, starting goalie. Um, This was my first true year of actually taking the reins and being the number one guy. So um, being consistent on a weekend basis was um, kind of a new challenge for me, but Again, that's why that year in Penticton helped me out so much, because that's uh, the whole point of that season was to understand how to be a number one goalie and mm-hmm. how to mentally and emotionally handle that load. And um, I think that was a year-long, I'm not going to say struggle, but it was a year-long battle for me, understanding the intensity and I need to bring on a daily basis, right. um, keeping my body uh, fresh and healthy. Um you know, just making sure I, I'm ready to go when fr- Friday and Saturday hit.
1: Yeah, and then I guess, uh, you know, diving into your league championship run uh, must be an incredible feeling. And and I know, like you mentioned, obviously we want to bring home the major prize, but, you know, maybe just take us through what was going to your head leading up to the, the final league game. Like, were you nervous at all or pretty confident? What was your mindset leading up to game day and on game day?
0: Just completely focused. Like, uh, you know, it's a different different environment but the you know the objective still remains the same um you know when I, like when I'm in the net I I don't I don't feel the pressure I don't feel like suffocated by the you know the stakes at hand um you know I I love the feeling because again like I said like I hold my I hold my own destiny and that gives me that gives me confidence you know my destiny doesn't lie in the anything else but my own abilities and Right. Um, when I played that game against Wisconsin at the finals, I knew that I've done everything up to this point to put myself in the best position that I can.
1: Yeah. And I guess for kids at home looking to win a college championship one day or any championship for that matter, what do you think is some of the most important advice you can give someone that help will help them sort of, you know, break through where they are and become a champion? Maybe somebody who's going to the finals every year and can't seem to find a way. Like, what do you think is the difference between winning and losing?
0: to be it's the margin of error is so small but i mean the game the game doesn't change you know it's not like you're playing with a blindfold on all it's about is stopping that next shot that's all you got to worry about you don't have to worry about making 10 saves you don't have to worry about shutting out a team all you got to worry about is making that next save and um you know you guys just got to embrace your strengths as a goalie and and ride that out because that's what got you that position and um even if you're just starting your season um you know, you're not thinking about a championship. You're just thinking about that first shot. Then after that first shot, you're thinking about the next shot. You know, that's, that's all there really is to it.
1: It's funny that you say that. And so many guys that have won stuff, like that's the mentality that it takes because it truly helps you to uh, be in the moment. I mean, that was, that was, you know, I, I tried to do that my entire career, just be where my feet were just one shot at a time and, and enjoy the ride and, and, the chips will fall as they may. You prepare for the test, like you said, you know, try and over prepare, put in the work so you're prepared for when the tests come. Um, but when you kind of get to game day, it's all, it's all one shot at a time. it's it's just crazy how often that comes up. Uh it's something I mentioned or very early when I started the podcast. Um and and honestly it's uh it's probably one of the biggest hacks I think, you know, that's that that comes up on the show is just like constantly just focus on the next shot. Cause if you get too far ahead, you're not in the moment, that's when you kind of falter. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I love that saying, uh, I what was it Ottinger. You just repeated it. My, my mind is where my feet are. I think that's so cool. I love yeah. that thing so much because it's, it's again, like the next, next save stuff, like it's, it's all good. Yeah. It's a hack, but, um, you know, it's easier said than done. Right. Like We've all been, uh, you know, we've all been prisoners to our own mind at some point in the net. We've all been on the roller coaster <laughs> of, you know, rhetorical questions. So, <laughs> again, it's, and how do you practice that? Well, you got to be put in pis- uh, positions like that. And unfortunately, right. sometimes you got to fail to understand, you know, how to act in the future situations.
1: Yeah. You always learn more from failure than you will from success, right?
0: Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it truly is, you know, and, and we, you know, we we live in a culture of like, you know, everybody kind of knows that you need to fail now, but you also need to be proactive about your failure, right? You go out and fail, break it down. What do you need to do to avoid that? And, you know, you go out there and you make that change. And when you do that, it builds tremendous amounts of confidence in you, right? Yeah,
0: I, I think there's something to be said about accepting failure and, um, you know, learning from it, you know, if you're going right. to, I think if you're going to accept failure, then, you know, you're kind of going to gun, uh, you're going to a knife fight without a knife kind of thing. Right. Right? And then when you're kind of learning from failure, you know, I'm going into a game. It doesn't mean I'm going to give you a freebie. I, like I, my demeanor does not change, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm coming to this game. I'm coming with house money. I got nothing to lose at all. And, <laughs> you know, you come with that competitive nature and, yeah you know, I, I think, uh, I think there, there's a difference in how you accept it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, I, I want to just dive into your routines a little bit on and off the ice. Uh, you don't have to get too crazy, but maybe just, you know, game day routine, you know, take us night, night before the game, you know, when you go to bed, uh, what are you thinking about how, how much you sleep in and then your kind of game day routine briefly?
0: Yeah. I, I mean the night before, um, you know, I have this mental journal where I jot down like my pregame emotions, my pregame thoughts, and the night before, that's when I'll uh, do a pre-journal entry, mm. uh, get to bed early, obviously, and then wake up. Um, if we're playing at home, we go to the rink, um, do a good stretch out, stretch roll out. Um, I Sometimes I like to skate. Other times I don't. I just kind of go on uh, how I'm feeling. Right. Um, towards the end of the season I did not skate just uh well just your body running. right you got to absolutely so I just I just listen to my body but the uh, one unconditional thing I have is I obviously ice bath um you know just for the inflammation in the legs that's something I that know. I love to do um and then catch a pregame meal and then I'm straight home I'm napping uh anywhere from 1 to 2 hours nice um and then when I get to the rink is where I you know truly like to you know, go through my, uh, pregame routine. Um, it mostly just focuses on like, uh, making sure like my motor skills are all there. Uh, you know, my eyes are warm, my body's. So you do you do,
1: so, you do some eye warm up stuff. Maybe you can share with everybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, they like, so they're called eye cars. Um, and this guy, Dylan Kelly, he has this great Instagram page. Oh
1: yeah. I know Dylan well.
0: Yeah. So he's un- so unbelievable. So eye cars and I'm going <laughs> to, controlled and trigular rotation or something it's pretty much their controlled movements
1: right so
0: you know you go five uh with your eyes go clockwise and very slowly you're like holding each each position for like 1 second and then you yep. go the other way clockwise then you go side to side then you go up and down um like those it sounds so again it sounds so mundane but i think they make the world of a difference um And then I do a ton of juggling. I do a ton of, uh, off the wall, um, throwing, um, just all things where I'm making sure my reflexes and my eyes are ready to go, you know, having urgent eyes. And I, and I have that feeling of uh, intensity and urgency ready to go when that, uh, puck drops. But I mean, there's been plenty of times where, you know, maybe I miss a nap, maybe I miss a meal. Like I think there's a difference between routine and, uh, superstition. Like, I think I've learned the hard way that, uh, like if, if we get to the rink like two hours late and Hey, you got to play right now. Like, all right, I got to play right now. Like sometimes you just gotta be go with the flow, right? Like you can't be so stuck in your ways that it's gonna, you know, if you don't do something, it's going to affect you.
1: Yeah, you don't tie the left before the right. You're gonna get lit or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I me and DK are, are very tight. We played against each other in pro a little bit, uh, but we we talk. And I actually uh, the reason I mentioned the eye stuff is because I'm very in tune with it. And anybody who kind of has seen my Instagram page early on, like last year, was all over this stuff. It's been an enormous. Uh, part of my career Uh, you know just um, there's all different I I have a bunch of YouTube videos on on YouTube actually for anybody who wants to go check them out maybe you can go check them out too Um, it's it's uh, some cool additions to the iCars for example and and I can a thousand percent vouch that they make a significant impact in your performance Uh, every kid I show them to Uh, it's like night and day they come back. They're like, I can't believe I've been missing this. Um, and, uh, to be honest, it's something that kind of gets overlooked a little bit is the eyes, you know, if you do all the work during the week, we do all the office, we lift heavy, we do this, we do that, right. We do all the work and then we get to the game and the eyes aren't working and all of a sudden nothing clicks. Right. So I, I do, I do really think that if, if people out there don't have anything kind of incorporated into their routine regarding something to warm up your eyes. Cause your eyes have different functionality. You have convergence, you have divergence, you have depth perception. There's all these different muscles in your eye that you need to warm up, um, as well as the range of your eye. So we won't dive into it too much, but, uh, I'm a big fan of that. and I'm, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, but talking about big gains specifically, you know, we talked about your championship game, uh, playing when the stakes are high and there's pressure, obviously, it happens a lot. It doesn't necessarily need to be a championship game, right? It, it could be anything. So what's sort of your mental routine, you know, during a game to help you avoid game time and performance anxiety and what anchor techniques either like internal or external do you use to, you know, center your focus and eliminate distractions regularly. It's
0: all breathing. It's all breathing. Like, um, and again, I'm, I'm going to sound like, uh, I'm like a Buddhist, but, um, your breathing like centers you and it, it, um, it controls your energy. So if you're breathing like really shallow,
1: Mm. you're
0: super anxious. Um, you're, you're kind of feeling the pressure, but if you're breathing like very controlled, if you control your breath, I think you can control your emotions and you control your movement. Right. So, Mm. um, for me, like I'm, and again, it sounds like very, very cheesy, but, uh, the breathing exercises are so important. And, you know, I I do a couple of yoga classes and, um, you know, I think the breathing exercises they like, put you uh, towards the very end of the class, where you can feel your breath off your chest, you can feel the breath mm. off your stomach, and controlling like where the air is going. That's something that kind of centers you and like brings you to your present.
1: Yeah, honestly, I, I don't think the breathing is silly at all. Silly at all. I think it comes with the territory, and I think uh, knowing what we know now in terms of the science and and how it it um, calms you and uh, activates your autonomic nervous system to, to bring you out of a fight or flight, you know, state, which is when you make bad decisions. Right. Um, I think that nowadays, so what kind of breathing are you doing exactly? Uh,
0: so like the breathing I do like before a game is, um, so I hold five seconds in to my belly and then five seconds into my chest and then I release my chest Five seconds, and then I release my stomach for five seconds.
1: Where'd you learn that
0: one? So, again, that's all from yoga, and that's just something – And, sorry, on the exhale, you have to, like, really emphasize, like, it's, like, opening the jaw, and it's, like, a –
1: Right, 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 right. You're, like, being in the with the um, body, right? Yeah. Yeah. Will you do anything else, or is that the only one? That's the only one, and then I usually –
0: I just focus on that for about 10 minutes and that's what, again, like, that's something that just brings me to the present.
1: So you're basically doing like a small session, uh, 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 practice of meditation before almost.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, again, that's something that I really want to try to learn, uh, this summer, but meditation is very, very tricky. And I'm, I'm re I'm reading up on it right now, but that's something that's like a totally different, uh, ball game for me. And I'm just scratching the surface with it.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I tried it like in college and it almost, I'm, I'm a guy, I like love self-talk in my mind. Like I'm constantly like talking to myself in my mind and it was like weird. It was like when I started doing the meditation, it was like my mind just went like super quiet. And and, and I don't know if this happens to everybody, but I kind of got away from it. And now I kind of I have a, a better relationship with it where I do like shorter, you know, uh, a hybrid kind of version of it. It's essentially what it is, is it's it just it, it helps you build, you know, gray matter in your mind, like like there's science that actually supports it. But when you're on a thought and you're hung up on a thought, how quickly can you you know, let it pass and come back to the present. Right. sounds like you're already great at that. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm
0: just starting to learn it. Like the, the meditation side of it, it's, it's challenging. Like people spend, people spend decades on this stuff like perfecting the art of meditation uh, to say that after a month, I'm going to perfect. It would be just so naive. (laughs) (laughs) um, I think, I think it's a great tool for goalies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It comes up a lot in the show. Um, but what's it, what's your routine after you get scored on?
0: Oh, I I, like, I immediately, I go to my blocker side, then take a skate to the boards, glove side, uh, to the boards and then back. And then as soon as I'm about to hop back in the crease, I have like a really obnoxious, again, exhale, (sighs) Uh, like, and it's, For me, it's like me visualizing, like getting all the negative out of my body. Right. And then as soon as I step back in my blue paint, like I just inhale the good and um, that's it. That's it. It's just like something quick, easy, fast. And then boom, I'm right off to the next, next shot.
1: That's so I I literally do the same thing, except I do it with water. So what I do is I I drink it in and then in my head, I'm like replaying the play. And then I and then I like and I spit it out. So I'm spitting out the bad and then I take a drink in and then I'm thinking about what I wanted to do and make like visualizing myself making the save and then I swallow it. So it's like out with the bad and with the good either external or internal. I don't know. You, you got to find stuff that works. But it, it's funny how. You think it's weird, but other guys do it too. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, so everybody listening, don't think you're weird, man. Just just go with what works. We got to stop pucks out there, you know. So yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, but during the week, on and off the ice, what are maybe your two biggest hacks for like an ice, uh, an ice drill, or an off ice, an on ice or off ice drill that you do to help you? You feel like it gives you an edge to stay ahead of everybody.
0: Uh, well, there's like one drill I do and I'll, I'll send it to you after, Mike, so you can like properly see it. But yeah, I'll post um, it to my page. Yeah, it's the V, T and Y drill. So it's it's really simple. So you have a, you draw like a T with permanent marker and then you have a V and it's just working on like your rotations through mm-hmm. your, uh, I do it with shuffles. I do it with uh, recoveries, T pushes. Um, slides, power slides, like everything. And I'll do that like Monday and Tuesday for like 20 minutes. And that's kind of like reamping me up for the week. And then another hack I like to do is I love, uh, the swivel goggles. Like I will throw those on, uh, in practice, like during a warm up drill and that'll kind of gear me up, uh, for each practice. Like I, I, I think I do that like three to four times a week. Cause wow it's, really yeah it's it's really good personally for head trajectory um and making sure your shoulders are following through on saves
1: yeah so you, you find that it kind of helps reset that 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 tracking a bit
0: i, I, I don't think it reset, I it resets it but i think it improves on it like oh it's right just, yeah. right
1: right amazing man well maybe we can just you know briefly before we wrap up You know, dive into your specific three or four pillars that you kind of surround your goaltending and playing philosophy around and why you think they're so important?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... I I feel like for me, they're always changing. Like, um, you know, one year they're this, one year they're that. But for me, uh, obviously, footwork and skating uh, is one of my pillars. Um, A competitive edge is another one of my pillars. And then my last pillar is definitely um, my work ethic, like, and again, those are, I just mentioned like one physical and two mental attributes as my pillars. But those three pillars for me are what makes Jack LaFontaine. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, what drives me, uh, is what helps me work hard. And on top of that, my skating is kind of my bread and butter in my game. It's what gives me confidence and yeah. all three of those things combined are, are what helped me get ready for a, for a hockey game.
1: Yeah, so maybe you can kind of just briefly explain uh, competitive edge. Like, is that you know, are you developing that? Like, wh- what do you mean by competitive edge?
0: Competitive edge for me is just like just raw determination to keep that puck out of my net. Like, I'm mm-hmm. someone again that I like. I mentioned like I'm a a very intense, very emotional guy. Like to the point where you know I I can come off like mean. <laughs> like um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I will do whatever the hell it takes to keep that puck out of my net. And that's what I right. tell myself. Like, I will, like, if you take my blocker off, I will still try to block
1: <laughs> Savage.
0: Well, it's just like, it's just the way I, I'm geared. And it started yeah. with, it started with my dad and it's something that my dad has just instilled in me.
1: Um Yeah. That, that compete level. Right
0: absolutely and for others like they don't need that compete compete level to play but for me i know if i have that edge that's what's gonna get me over the hump that's what's gonna make me the best possible version of myself and um that that has always been a driving force uh as a goalie and as a person as well
1: yeah and and then finally you mentioned work ethic and uh I mean, I, I just, you know, I, after playing some pro and and uh, you know going through it all, I, I, I that has become a non-negotiable as well, in my opinion. You know, if you don't have work ethic, if you don't have character, um, it's kind of tough to to move up. Um, but why do you think it, having that is so important, just in terms of uh, uh, from a performance and a development standpoint?
0: I. I just think as a goalies, the game's always changing and you just have to be obsessed with the position as a whole. Like you always want to be learning. You always wanna have an answer to a question someone asks, like you always wanna be the model student if you're in a class of right. all goalies, right? Like right, right. I, I like the the obsession of like working on your flexibility like away from the rank, the obsession of learning a new move on the post to like improve your RVH recovery. Like the work ethic isn't so much physical, like pushing out another rep as it is just finding new ways to better yourself and being Mm -hmm. open-minded to new things. So when I refer to work ethic, it doesn't mean, you know, you go run 10 miles and then you do like 50 push. It's more so like working hard, but working hard in a smart way. And again, that's something that, you know, I've had to understand is like, you know, the gym's not going to help me be a better goalie, right? Like right. bench pressing isn't going to be, make me a better goalie. Mm-hmm. Now doing uh DK's mobility program, that's going to help me in the net. Doing <laughs> hand-eye coordination, that's going to help me in the net. Yeah. Vision training, that's going to help me in the net. Like all these things, you know, they're, they're a part of the formula. And when
1: you add them all up, they make the world of the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack, do you, do you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about sharing?
0: No, just never give up you know you never know when you're scratching on the door of success and you know the game has a funny way of uh you know being poetic and uh giving those who work uh success
1: yeah yeah I agree man well Jack uh thank you so much for coming on buddy and once again congrats on an amazing year and amazing career so far I wish you nothing but the best of luck and I'm sure today we'll just you know shed a ton of light on on not just what it takes to be a division one goaltender, but be one of the, one of division one college hockey's best as well. So can you just let everyone know where they can get in touch the online?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can, uh, you know, DM me on, uh, Instagram, uh, it's laugher underscore, uh, HBU. Um, that's probably the best way to find me if you ever need advice. But, um, otherwise if you guys want to go through Mike to reach me, that's also cool too. And Mike, thank you so much for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the show and, uh, excited for what you're going to do in the future
1: well cheers man well go check out jack lafontaine appreciate all the kind words man and and uh, his instagram link will be available in the show notes for everyone to check out but he's experienced tons of success at the next level for years now and he was named the top goaltender in all division one college hockey this year and i know he's got a real bright future ahead of him so appreciate you making some time man uh but maybe somewhere down the road we'll have you back on the show dude if that's something interests you yeah
0: absolutely that'd be awesome
1: well, I, I, like I said, appreciate the kind words, man. And I'm grateful for coming on. Congrats again. Uh, good luck as we roll into the summer. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, buddy.
0: Thanks, Mike. Take it easy.
1: Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to smash that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up already to come onto the show in the next few months. And make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as next week I have another amazing leading mental performance coach. And uh, this type of mental performance uh, approach is like nothing I've seen in hockey yet or, or in much popularity in, in the general public. But... Uh, when I dove into the, uh, the conversation with, uh, with Dan, I realized that this type of mental performance approach was something I've been trying to describe for such a long time. Uh, so next week, I have Dan Leffelar, uh, who has uh, worked a considerable amount with the Edmonton Oil Kings, as well as dozens of incredible, uh, incredibly successful Uh, NHL players at the next level, and he name-drops a bunch of people in the conversation. But um, in the conversation, we dive into his approach and his mental performance system, uh, which him and his company have coined as Meta Performance. And I don't know if you've heard that term before. I hadn't before, but we dive into all of that, and you guys are going to love this one. So make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for our monthly giveaway we do for the Goalie Hacks podcast. And... Just as a note here, if you enter into this giveaway, even if you don't win, uh, we select four winners a month, and, and that includes books, uh, different products, training products, uh, Neurotracker subscriptions. We give away all sorts of things. We pick four people a month, and even if you don't win uh, one month, you're always entered into uh, the, the future the future giveaway. So to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, just take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.